April 1st, 2002. Dear Journal, It's my birthday! My sexy 17. My party was all the craziness I had imagined, and then some. <sighs> I drank a lot. <laughs> I was having an awesome time, but then my longtime crush showed up for like two minutes, and being pissed drunk, I got upset and cried. That's Laura. She's a virgin, with very little in the way of sexual experience. But that didn't stop her friends from baking a penis cake for her 17th birthday party. That crush she mentioned? His name was Rick, with a C. He was too cool for a K. Uh, seriously, he was a nerd. And Laura had spoken to him exactly one time in her entire life. That was when she introduced herself to him one afternoon when he was leaving fencing practice. She was so taken by this brief introduction that she secretly switched her schedule so she could sit behind him in pre-calc. Sadly, Laura overestimated her math skills and eventually dropped the class. They never spoke again. As she heads into what she believes is her final year of childhood, Laura's got some life lessons to gain and that pesky virginity to lose. How do I know all of this? Because I'm Laura, and I'm not 17 anymore. I haven't been 17 for almost 20 years. I'm Laura Lee Abbey, and you're listening to Seventeen, the podcast where I go back to my final year of high school and have a conversation with my teenage self. It's a deep dive into the everyday life of the teenager in the early 2000s. And you get to come along for the ride. October 1st. I just want to live while it's still terribly interesting. Media teaches our kids a whole lot about body image and gender. I hope this was profound, for I am awfully stoned. 71% of them have become sexually active. I need to grow up, but not grow up. Most girls are taught to smile pretty, play it safe. May 29th. All in all, my birthday was a damn good time. I've kept journals since I was old enough to hold a pen and spell the word crush. I still have a stack of them in my guest room. I'm so obsessed with spilling my guts, I made it my job. I'm a writer. I write memoir and personal essays for places like Vice and Cosmopolitan. I live in New York's Hudson Valley in an old farmhouse with my wife Sam and our two little boys. Yep, I married a woman, but more on that later. In so much of my work, I've revisited my journals from different times in my life, but I've never had a reason to go back to my final year of high school. That is until now. Sam gave birth to our second boy in February 2020. Daycare was canceled, and our three-year-old was home with us. All day. Every day. When Sam and I finally got the boys to bed each night, I needed easily digestible entertainment. No crime sprees. No unsolved murders. So I started watching teen dramas and teen comedies like Love, Victor, and Never Have I Ever, and all the ridiculous, saccharine, young adult movies and TV shows available to stream. It worked. Watching teens fall in love, be sex positive, and come out as gay and bi, that was therapeutic for me. But when I thought about what it would have been like to watch these shows as a teen, I felt cheated. That shit did not exist back then. I turned 17 in the early aughts. We had raunchy, heteronormative, and highly sexist teen movies. Hey now, check out the bogos on Superfruit. There was always some handsome bully accidentally falling for the dorky girl. What did you end up losing? My best friend. But first, the dorky girl had to take off her glasses or overcome some public humiliation. Do you always wear those glasses? Girl power was behind us, and Me Too was years ahead. We were this lost generation of would-be feminists facing a barrage of mixed signals. The 90s and early aughts are having a moment right now. Y2K even has its own hashtag. Tube tops and trucker hats are back. Yikes. And those movies I mentioned? They're all being remade. 
All this nostalgia made me want to explore what it was really like to be young back then. At a time when the Free Britney movement was a future as unfathomable as Justin Timberlake being publicly shamed for sexist behavior. I knew where to find the answers. I started poking around in my guest room. There's a broken dresser over stuffed with old photos and folders of past tax returns. On the bottom shelf, beneath the purple computer paper, sits a haphazard stack of journals. I sat on the hardwood floor, crossed my legs, and began to flip the pages. There's more than 10 journals in there, covering elementary school through college. I documented nearly every day of my adolescence. Wow. Between the daydreams of a 12-year-old girl and the musings of a lovesick college undergrad, I discovered plenty of mundane entries that made me laugh at the absurdity of teenage life. But there were also entries that shocked me, and some that left me overcome with emotions I'd long forgotten. Most of these entries were from the year I turned 17, my last year of high school. All my big feelings went in my journal. That's where I revealed my secrets. I've never told anyone this stuff. In most of these, I'm your typical teen with a wide range of emotions, going from this... March 2nd. Sometimes I hate being 17. It can be a massive pain in the ass. To this. September 8th. I don't think I've ever been happier than I have these past few months. But there were also some shocking moments. And that's something I needed to explore. I feel like I'm turning on the lights in the bar after last call. And it's really fucking scary to publicly face the ugly truth of all the things I didn't know back then. Things I only know now because I learned them the hard way. Why am I facing the past when I know I can't change any of it? What if my memories are flawed and have been sugarcoating a past that I don't fully remember? My 17th year was a defining one in my young life. I was involved in extracurriculars and volunteering at a local family shelter. I was busy attending SAT prep classes and applying early to college. All that pressure had me letting loose at every opportunity. There were parties with my friends, concerts and hookups, and I was determined to lose my virginity that year. But they weren't all great experiences. There's some buried trauma in there that I've never really come to terms with. Monday, July 28th. Once I realized that I wanted him to stop, I thought it was too late, and I just waited for him to stop. But there were also moments so youthful and pure that it physically hurts to know that I'll never feel that way again. May 29th. I was just dancing and singing along, and I thought, this is it. This is being young. This is what it's about. I had so much freedom. There were so many carefree moments. It also felt like the last year of childhood. We all thought that turning 18 would make us grown-ups. How naive. Friday, April 5th. After next year, I will start college, and it is then that I will get the greatest blessing in the world. A rebirth of sorts. I can be new, I can be better, can be the girl that deep down I know I am. I have over a year to work on it, and if I try, I can do it. I know I can. I'm moving forward, but for every two steps forward, I take one step back. I'm moving, though, I am, No one ever said it had to be fast. To be honest, going back through my journals is emotionally draining, which I feel guilty about, because my life has been pretty great. My childhood was like a goddamn Norman Rockwell painting. Mom, dad, brother, sister, and a yellow Labrador. We lived in an affluent town on Long Island, about 50 miles from New York City. It was white privilege as far as the eye can see. 
Yeah, I was privileged. But like every teenager, I had my moments of angst and insecurity. Navigating young adulthood is tough on everyone, and I was no exception. My journal was my safe space to confess my real feelings and express myself in ways I couldn't in front of my family and friends. I felt like my parents didn't understand me, of course, and none of the boys noticed me. At least, not the ones I wanted to notice me. Jake F. Popular. Really good-looking. Everything I knew I could never have. And it was the most depressing feeling. I was tall. Too tall for all the boys at school. And I had freckles. Everywhere. I still do. I was not the conventional image of beauty we were sold on the bags from Abercrombie and Fitch. But my friends and I still shopped there. We wore jean skirts and ribbon belts and too tight baby doll tees. We printed photos from disposable cameras and recorded each other with actual camcorders. They had tapes in them. October 1st, I drank a lot and all of my antics were on camera. But there was no social media, so no matter how badly I embarrassed myself tripping over my crush in the cafeteria or puking at a party, it was quickly forgotten. We borrowed our parents' cars, stole vodka from their liquor cabinets, and watched Total Request Live after school. Stalking a crush was a physical drive-by, and we had awkward aim conversations on the family computer. That one big desktop computer is also where we spent hours burning CDs. Those were the original playlists. AIM was the beginning of our digital age. We could hide behind a screen to say the things we weren't brave enough to discuss face-to-face. There was one boy in particular. He and I didn't know how to express our feelings for each other. So we would sign on to AIM and talk ourselves in circles. We're too cowardly to speak face-to-face. Well, face-to-face is what I attempted today with Nick. And after five minutes of being with him, I realized what deep down I always knew. He's never going to be honest. My journals were a place where I could truly say what I felt. That I wanted to be myself, but I didn't quite know who that was. I was totally perplexed by the opposite sex, and by my own emerging sexuality. Friday, June 28th. I just wish I was comfortable in my own skin, but I'm not. I can't help it. I know every teenager goes through it. I do. But that doesn't mean it doesn't suck a whole lot. Change will come eventually. It's just, sometimes it doesn't feel soon enough. Change did come eventually. I'd like to clear something up. Yes, I'm married to a woman. When I met Sam in college at 19, she unlocked something in me that was clearly always there. But in high school, I was boy crazy. Before her, I didn't know there was any other way to be. In my graduating class of over 500 kids, I don't think a single person was openly queer. Pop culture wasn't just ripe with misogyny back in the early 2000s, but homophobia as well. Today's TV shows and movies all feature queer characters, and it's fucking awesome. Progress is great, but I'm getting ahead of myself. By nearly two decades. This isn't my coming out story. It's the prequel. This is a coming of age story at a time when things were very black and white. This is the story of how I became me. And it all started in 2002, with a virgin, a penis cake, and midnight beer tears. I have fragments of memories from my 17th birthday. The Malibu rum-fueled dance moves I showed off in Annie's kitchen, eating my penis cake, and screaming along to paradise by the dashboard lights over and over again. And eventually, the memory of my friends finally making me relinquish control of the stereo. Have I mentioned how lucky I am that we didn't have social media yet? 
I called this birthday my sexy 17 because I thought I was finally becoming a woman. That party kicked off a year of freedom in which I would experience many things for the first time. I also wanted to rack up as much sexual experience as I could before college. For all my life, I will never be able to truly describe the events of last night. We were all drinking, and drinking some more. We were having a good time, but as the night went on, things got more and more fucked up. I made a not-so-bright decision to go visit the Oak Falls Club. The Oak Falls Club is a private country club where I worked as a waitress. Most of my friends did, too. It was a hotspot for a lot of our teenage antics. Which is why we changed the name of the place. It's not actually called the Oak Falls Club, but I don't want to tarnish their reputation. Or get sued. The night didn't go quite as planned. I hooked up with Travis. He's 25. Travis loves my body. Thinks it's amazing? Which took me by surprise. I know the whole situation is beyond sketch, but I still don't consider any of it bad. I remember Travis taking off my top. I remember watching the two of us in the mirror, and I was so freaked out that the lights were on. He wanted to look at me, and I didn't want him to. I wanted him to touch me, but I didn't want to let him see me. Here I was, inexperienced and insecure, with an older man I barely knew. But when I turned 17, I felt like this is what people my age were doing. They were hooking up, having sex, and falling in love. So I dove right in to catch up. The memory in the bridal room makes it clear to me now. When I first turned 17, I wasn't really ready to be doing any of these things. But that didn't stop me. In fact, I was just getting started. This podcast isn't just about sex, but episode two is. I'm a hookup girl. I like guys. And it's out now. So if you want to hear more, go right ahead. It's waiting for you. Seventeen is an original series from Paradiso Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Lee Abbey, featuring Leia Emanuel as young Laura. It's produced by Molly O'Keefe and Yael Evanor. Emmy Norris is our executive producer. Paradiso's chief content officer is Louis Debussy. And head of production is Benoit Dunay. Brendan Galbraith is our associate producer. Yael Evanor is our editor and sound designer. Additional sound design and mix by Adrian LeBlanc and Jimmy Bardell. Recording engineer is Johnny Taylor from Beacon AV Lab. Original music by Guillaume Zolnirevsky. Our music supervisor is Benoit Dunig. Amy Faconier is our post-production assistant. Stefania Sotil designed our cover art. Special thanks to Lucy McKellion and Jean Boezek. Thanks for listening.